Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Regelina Melrose, Ph.D., a clinical and school psychologist whose work on old brain versus new brain theory demonstrated the dire consequences of misdiagnosing children as ADHD who, in fact, suffered, suffered from PTSD. Now, while working at Long Beach Unified School District in California, she deepened her knowledge about childhood trauma and its manifestations in students and discovered that they're not only psychological but physiological as well. She created a number of resources and books to teach basic knowledge of stress and trauma and their impact on the brain, as well as the do's and don'ts of helping stressed or traumatized children and adults. Today we discuss her newest book, a very useful book called The 60 Seconds Fix, the brain-changing toolkit that stops unwanted habits and starts surprising joy. Welcome, Dr. Reggie. I am so happy to be here, and thank you for a beautiful introduction. That was so well said, all of what you said there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Now, the title of your book suggests that you actually have a technique for changing the brain, and by doing so, stopping destructive habits and making us happier. Who could ask for more? But how did you arrive at the five steps included in the 60 Seconds Fix? Thank you for asking. It's really becoming the most frequently asked question is how did I come up with this set of tools I call a toolkit? Um, it really has been a long road. It's been a long road of not so much trial and error. Um, I, I feel so lucky and grateful to be able to say that there hasn't been a lot of error along the way, just a lot of surprise because it's simpler than we would ever imagine. And I think that we were all spending a lot of years trying to come up with complicated solutions because we feel like our problems are so complicated. These big diagnoses, you know, and all these medication cocktails, it makes it all feel like the problem is so complicated. And so, of course, there needs to be a complicated solution. And, in fact, we were really way off the mark. The solutions are far simpler far easier to implement, and um, and that's a surprise for all of us. And so in all these years of coming up with what works best, I've been surprised um, by my own level of joy that I never thought I would get to in, in my life because I also live on planet trauma with everybody else. Um, so I wasn't necessarily anticipating my own joy until I discovered these tools. And, and so it's been a process for, for about 22 years now of studying and practicing practicing and and, uh, putting it all together. So what is the fundamental um, secret, the the underlying technology that you're you're addressing? I'm really addressing the root of our thoughts and feelings, which is our physiology. Our, Our sensory experiences drive our thoughts and our emotions, not the other way around. And this is, it has been known for centuries, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, William James, the, the grandfather or godfather of psychology, called it back in the late 1800s physiological psychology, physiological psychology, because he recognized that our physiology reacts and responds first, the quickest. That part of our brain processes in fractions 
of a second compared to our higher order brain that really takes time to form thoughts based on our physiology. So this toolkit shifts our physiology first because when we feel better inside our skin, we can think better and we can feel better. Indeed, and you describe the different uh, methods of processing of the different types of uh, areas of the brain. The, uh, so the amygdala seems to be the particularly nasty actor. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, it really can be. But, you know, how I would like to see it and how I choose to see it is that amygdala firing off its alarm is a gift to us. It, it truly is a, a beautiful thing if we can make peace with it and, and feel grateful that it does send us into an alarm and it does tighten our chest and it does uh, tighten our muscles and it does exasperate our breath and give us this feeling of overwhelm, but for a very good reason, because the way we're living today is overwhelming and we do need our body to tell us so. And we do need to start listening to our body when it says, please stop, please slow down, please take 60 seconds, please ground, please breathe differently, or we're going to end up in the emergency room. And, and this is a gift, and it does come from that amygdala inside the limbic brain, which is our emotional brain, and it lets us know that we need to do things differently. Now, I assume that you're talking about the stress response. Now, people are not stupid. You know, we muddle through life one way or the other. Um, and we, each in our own way, develop coping mechanisms um, that you uh, very humorously point out as the, the different addictions that we have. I, I, I want to put in parentheses for our readers that um, the book is a delightful read. Dr. Reggie has a, a really wicked sense of humor, close parenthesis. Um, so getting back to the coping mechanisms, um, why should we um, replace them? You know, we're, we're kind of muddling through. What will the 60-second fix do that they don't do? Is the 60-second the fix will surprise you, <laughs> this is why it's in the title, with the level of joy and freedom that you can live in. We are muddling through. Does that sound good to you? I don't know. When I hear <laughs> we're muddling through, okay. Um, but for those of us who might believe that we have one time around, you know, I'm not sure muddling through is exactly what we want to do. And I'm not sure we want to be modeling for our children muddling through. I don't think that's what we want for our kids. Um, you know, I'm boldly going to say that I want us to want it for ourselves. But if you can't love yourself enough to have a higher quality of life for you, I, I want you to model it for your kids. And um, I don't want my son muddling through. And I happen now, uh, through the effects of 60 seconds, to love myself enough that I want more. I want more. I want 
want a deeper, more genuine connection with myself, with my son, with my friends, you know, with the people in my life, with my audiences and my clients. Um, that's what the 60 Seconds Fix does. It gives us a way to be here now, feeling good in our skin. The other stuff that I have, you know, partaken in uh, quite willingly, um, all that other stuff that we do to cope really disconnects us. If not immediately, and a lot of it does disconnect us immediately from the people we love and from ourselves, eventually that disconnection can get quite serious and we can lose relationships and jobs and, and uh, it's, you know, it's too high of a price to pay for us to have temporary, immediate relief from this behavior we engage in to cope. I want us to transcend this. The, the 60 Seconds Fix is, is so much deeper and transcends those temporary fixes that really don't change the physiology. I want your physiology changed for good. Okay, just, just give a few examples of some of the temporary fixes that you're referring to. Well, let's see. Um, there's vodka. Um, there's, there's, there's a gambling and shocking. You know, we just happen to find ourselves at the mall um, quite regularly, spending money we might not have. Um, you know, there's uh, video games, which I have to tell you, you know, I get my clients off methamphetamines um, a lot quicker and easier than I do uh, video games. So this is very, very, very real and, and serious, I believe, because it's disconnecting us from the people we love and from ourselves. You know, this is some... It's, it's a big concern of mine. It really is. And it, it's pretty, we're in a trance. You know, we're numb. We're shut down. We're out of our bodies. We feel spacey. We get to the fridge. We don't know how we got there. We get, you know, we don't know what we're looking mm -hmm. for in the mm -hmm. fridge. We, we drive home and we don't know how we got there. Um, our kids are standing in front of us and we're hearing maybe every fifth or sixth word that they're saying. And they feel that. My son will say to me, and he, oh, so beautifully reminds me to do my 60 seconds because he'll say, Mom, you're staring off into space again. Mom, can you hear what I'm saying? You know, like he'll see me in my overwhelm and my body's natural response to, you know, dissociate and, and, and go spacey and not be present for this person who so depends on me. Okay, so tell us a bit uh, about the five steps. How do these get us back in touch with ourselves? Okay. What's happening with the stress response right now? The way we're all living our lives, the very normal experiences we've all had, which uh, involve trauma and involve, uh, you know, a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. What this does to our brain, um, either very quickly from one searing traumatic event, it can change our brain, or from that, you know, regular dose of high stress and pressure. Eventually, the change in the brain is this, that our thinking, more rational, empathic, social brain gets hijacked by our lower order brain that becomes solely focused on getting through this moment alive. 
just getting through this moment of overwhelm, just doing whatever it takes right now to, to feel better right now. What can I do? It's a, it's a survival place. And that survival place is um, really keeping us from being able to use our higher order brain that can make really good decisions. So the five tools are designed to soothe the amygdala that drives the survival brain, that lower order brain, into being really, you know, competitive, urgent, criticizing, punishing, all those places that we go to when we're in a survival mode, that's driven by this amygdala that sounded off its alarm. I'm in overwhelm. I'm pressured. I'm feeling too much stress. I'm traumatized. I'm, you know, all of these things. That has to get soothed and calmed so that the higher order brain can come back online. And that's exactly what these five tools do. The five tools very, very quickly. And the fact that it's called the 60-second fix is because this is tried and true. This is evidence-based where we've been testing. Can we really feel that kind of a physiological shift in 60 seconds? And from all the research now, the answer is an astounding yes, that in 60 seconds with these five tools, we begin to lower our blood pressure, lower our heart rate, lower cortisol levels from pumping through our veins, which is, of course, our stress hormone. And what we get instead is the capacity to build new neural pathways for a new response to stress and trauma, which is a calmer one where we can keep our wits about us even though we're feeling stress and pressure. That comes from using these tools over time so that they, they're operating more automatically. The science of neuroplasticity certainly has uh, given a lot of evidence to our ability to change, really, into old age. There's no limit. So, uh, people, listen up. <laughs> um, I know. So give us some examples of some of the steps. I'd love to. Let's have everyone be experiencing them as I go through them. So the first thing I want everybody to do, the first tool that needs to come back online, gosh, I want to say more than anything else, but, you know, I think they're all equally important. But I get very excited about the first step because when we're stressed and traumatized, the earth gets ripped out from under our feet. Both literally and figuratively. Yes. We no longer can feel our feet on solid ground. We feel spacey, we're floating, we're not here, we're out of our body. That keeps the heart up, heart rate high, blood pressure high, cortisol high. What lowers that instantaneously is bringing our awareness to our feet on the ground. And so if you're sitting in a chair, if you're standing, if you're walking, If you're driving in your car, you can feel what's underneath your feet. Bring your awareness to your feet on the ground, on something solid. Now, we can't do that very well. Right now, we don't have neural pathways for that. 
we really have to build them to begin to notice, can I feel? Now, we might look down and see that our feet are on the ground, but it doesn't mean we can feel them there. So building those neural pathways are highly, is highly essential to uh, taking us out of the stress response so that we can get our very human brain back so that we have the quality we want in our relationships. So please see if you can feel your feet on the ground. And if not, maybe walk about. You know, do, do a little walk about and really put all of your weight on your feet as you take each step. Can I feel my feet on the ground? And if you can't, you know, wiggle your toes, and that helps. This is what uh, armed servicemen and women are taught before they go into any kind of battle. Their basic training is always wiggle your toes, feel your toes in your boots and your boots on the ground. Wiggle your toes, feel your toes in your boots and your boots on the ground. If we can lower our blood pressure and our heart rate, we can keep our wits about us in the most stressful of circumstances so that we're making decisions that keep us alive. I want us to be able to make decisions in the heat of a moment with our child that allows us to keep our wits about us to make a good, healthy choice that keeps us in a healthy relationship with the people we love. So we need these tools. Wiggle your toes, feel your feet on the ground. That's number one. Number two is to really notice the support that is around you in any given moment. If you're sitting on the couch watching television, you don't need to be bracing. Your, your muscles don't need to be tight and, 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 and holding you there, you know, on the couch. You need to be in that couch, allowing the couch to do all the work so you become aware that your back has support, that your bottom is sinking into the couch, that your feet are on the ground in front of you. I really want people to begin to notice when they're sitting at their desk at work, they're sitting in a chair. And you can lean into the back of that chair. You can feel your bottom anchored to the bottom of the chair. When you do this, when you begin to notice the support that's right there for your body to take in, you again ground yourself even further and you lower your heart rate and your blood pressure even more. So support is the second thing. Right now, our animal brain, our lower order brain that's being driven by the amygdala because of our stretch, is having us focus on where support isn't coming from. And usually it's people. You know, we want support to come from people. Well, guess what? Everybody is as stressed out as we are. Support needs to come from what support can come from. And it's there in our car seat when we're driving. It's there in the couch when we're watching television. It's there in the chair when we're working at our desk. So it's about focusing on, on allowing our body, our physiology, to take in that support so that we can lower the stress response. So that's number two. I don't know if you want me to keep going. What would you like me to do? I would love for you to keep going. I'm really feeling good. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy to hear that. Yes, and you know, as I, okay, so I won't go off on a tangent. I was about to. Let me get focused on number three. Number three is our breath. You know, a, a wonderful hiking buddy of mine made me aware that that's the chapter in the book she has to skip. 
and she's such a trauma baby. I call us all trauma babies, <laughs> those of us who have been traumatized in our lives um, and are struggling to find the cure, um, healing from those experiences. We breathe in a very, very different way. Um, when you've been traumatized and you're in a stress or, or survival response, you breathe in and out of your mouth. And you breathe very shallowly and very rapidly. And oxygen gets into your lungs to keep you alive, but it doesn't go all the way down deep into the belly where it's needed to keep us in a more relaxed uh, um, physiology, I guess I'll say. So it can be very daunting for people who are still pretty deep in their traumatic uh, reactions and responses in their body. This is natural. No one should feel like they're bad or there's something wrong with them or why can't they breathe correctly. It's very, um, it's a lot of pressure. And this is my problem with people going to doctors. You know, I heard of a dear friend who went and said, look, I, I need some medication. And the doctor said, no, I'm not going to give you medication. You need to just take deep breaths. And so the person went away and thought, okay, I'll take deep breaths. Well, if you're traumatized, you're taking deep breaths in a way that doesn't support you to feel more comfortable in your own skin. You're breathing in and out of your mouth. You're breathing into your lungs. And this sends a very alarming message to your brain body that you're in a fight-or-flight response. So we do need to retrain our breath. But if this is something that's alarming to you, then skip it. Skip it and focus on taking in support, focus on your feet on the ground, and once that begins to really build in your physiology over time, you're going to strengthen neural pathways for you to begin to notice the ground beneath your feet, the support of the chair you're in. Eventually, you'll be able to add this breath piece. For now, I'd like everybody to try to breathe in through your nose. That's it. See if you can... Shift your breath and you can become really aware and focused on oxygen going in through your nose. And just take some breaths. You don't have to count the breath. You know, there's all kinds of ways that breathing is just becoming an agenda out there. Don't worry about counting how long your breath is. Don't, I don't want you to worry about breath at all. I just want you to see, play with a little bit, if you can breathe in through your nose as you feel the support of whatever you're sitting in and you feel your feet on the ground. And if you can't feel your feet on the ground, wiggle your toes, push your heels into the ground, and just breathing in through your nose. Now, eventually, you'll get better and better at that because that's just how the brain works. What you practice over and over again becomes more automatic, it come, becomes easier, and it'll just start to happen without you even needing to think about it. When that becomes more automatic, then eventually, eventually, you can begin to try to direct the oxygen into your belly. But this is not something that needs to happen now. Over time, with the use of the other tools, it'll get easier for you to, to continue to, to retrain the breath in through your nose, deep into the belly. This is what sends a, a very different message to your physiology, to your brain body, that in fact you're not in a survival situation in this moment, that everything in this moment is okay. Mm -hmm. 
One of the things that I liked was that you say in the book that you can use any of the steps independently. And, you know, it's very kind of relaxed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Listen, I am a recovered trauma baby. Um, (laughs) You know, this is this is. You know, really what I, I love about my work, and I, and I certainly don't mean this in some sort of pompous way by any means at all, but I do want to say that in all the studying I've been doing over, over uh, more than 22 years, I've been studying, I've been practicing for 22 years, studying this now for going on a third decade here, almost 30 years, um, is that, you know, you can read a lot about this stuff, but you never really feel like you're reading it from someone who, who's lived it. And um, that's what I feel I, I can give to my audiences, um, whether it's my live audiences or, or those that read my books. This is about me, and I know not to give me an agenda that there's a right or a wrong way of doing something because boy the trauma baby goes straight to I'm wrong I'm wrong I'm bad I can't get it right never mind I give up um there's there's no agenda here whatsoever and it's it's about playing it's really about playing and becoming more aware huh that's interesting I don't breathe in through my nose huh okay no judgment no judgment, because with compassion, it makes perfect sense to me that I would be in a survival mode. <laughs> so that's been a gift to me. I'm alive today because of that survival mode that I've been able to go into in my brain body. And so with love for myself and compassion, um, I just play with doing it a different way and trusting the neuroscience that the more I practice with love, you know, because I'm imperfect, um, the more automatic it will become inside of me. And uh, that's what I really want people to know. Um, so, yes, you can use any one of these tools, and eventually they'll all start to kick in over time. Now, one of your tools is um, a visualization that's similar to meditation. Um, how would you describe the difference between meditation and the 60 Seconds Fix? I'm so glad you asked that because this really is not meditation and is not meant to be meditation. I say that because the word meditation really connotes a whole lot that, again, many of us get triggered by. Um, you know, a trauma baby is going to sit and meditate? Are you kidding? We can't sit still. If we sit still, we die. <laughs> so we don't sit still. We stay on guard is what we do. So the idea that we're going to meditate is very threatening. Um, this is about getting grounded in a way that helps you to feel more comfortable in your own skin. And when that happens, you can focus better. This is what all the research is showing. You can focus better, concentrate more, uh, get it right the first time instead of having to redo things over and over again because you weren't quite there the first time you were doing it. It allows us to be really present. Um, so, yeah, I just really want to make that, that point. Um, the visualization is to aid in becoming more grounded. So I like visualizations of imagining 
that there are roots growing out from the bottom of your feet that are really allowing you to get securely planted to Mother Earth that's so solid and, and really just wants to give us stability under our feet. That would be one, because it aids in us getting more grounded, which instantaneously lowers our blood pressure. Um, I like the idea if that you know, doesn't feel good. It's something that you imagine you're standing down at the tide of the beach, and every time the water comes up and tickles your toes, you sink just a little bit more into the sand, and you can imagine yourself feeling more and more sunk into the, to the sand, um, just a little bit, not too much that feels alarming, just the right amount so that you can feel more securely planted. Um, those are some visualizations I like to use. I, I use visualizations of containment that we're inside a force field that's protecting us and creating a boundary between us and everything else out there that feels so overwhelming to us. So there are different visualizations in, in the book, and that is our fourth step. Um, it is nice to visualize that we are in a beautiful spot in nature because nature very powerfully, um, you know, triggers something called the parasympathetic nervous system which is the branch of our autonomic nervous system, it gives us a, a calmer feeling inside. And so nature does that beautifully. So if people have a spot at the water or on a mountain or in the woods, um, this is a beautiful visualization to have as well while you're using one or more of the other tools. You mentioned um, about meditation, you know, kind of wiggling and not being able to sit still. I noticed that you use this with great effect with children who are not exactly known for their ability to avoid wiggling. <laughs> oh, you know, I just, I just had some of my kids here today, you know, every day. It's such a blessing. There's emails in my inbox or, you know, my clients coming to the couch and, and, you know, just getting to hear these beautiful stories. I was just on Skype with a client that lives on the other side of the country and she's nine, you know, and she got on Skype today to say, you know, I'm getting better grades. I'm getting better grades. I use the 60 seconds before I take my test now. She said, I'm sleeping. Can you believe I'm sleeping, Dr. Melrose? And I said, oh, yes, I promise. I can imagine that you're sleeping because when I was her age, I was also an insomniac and never thought I would get to sleep. And uh, I honestly, it's very emotional for me, you know, to get those that feedback mm -hmm. from these children that just never think that they're going to feel peace inside of them. And, um, and it comes to them through 60 seconds. It's very, very humbling, very humbling indeed, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, the last step is what you call noticing, which I find really quite fascinating because at the beginning of your talk, uh, this interview, you were talking about how dissociated we are from everything around us, how we, we actually try to insulate and isolate ourselves from the threats and the environment. But noticing is actually reaching back out and seeing, reconnecting with ourselves. So um, expand upon how we go about that, because that sounds to me like a really powerful step. 
Yes. Well, you you have great knowledge, great knowledge and wisdom, because the fifth step is what makes the other four steps really work for us quickly. Without awareness, you know, and I, I've been quoted now, there's this Dr. Melrose quote all over the place now um, that says this, it was blown up into a big poster, an experience that you're having without awareness is an experience you haven't had. So the brain needs to be primed to notice that you're even having this shift in your physiology. So it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I can, you know, my feet are on the ground. Yeah, 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 my feet are on the ground. I'm looking at them, and they're on the ground. Okay, what's next? Check, check, check. You know, we want to go to the next thing. What's the next tool? Um, and it doesn't work that way. Um, we have to really bring our awareness to the sensation inside of you as you are noticing and really feeling your feet on the ground. The noticing part is what causes neurons to fire stronger. When neurons fire stronger, they find each other to form a neural pathway quicker. And the deeper neural pathways become from you having an experience with awareness over and over and over again, the more you practice having these experiences with the noticing piece, with the awareness piece, is, is how neural pathways for a whole new way of being inside your skin, how that happens quickly. We, we just want that developing uh, in a faster, stronger way. Hmm. Uh, how does this contribute to finding our power and overcoming low self-esteem? And what's the relationship between low self-esteem and powerlessness? Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I, I hope you saw that little piece in the book. I, I didn't expound on it as much as I would love to. Um, so this gives me an opportunity. Our, you know, self-esteem comes from... Uh, our sense of power and control over ourselves. We think we're afraid of death. <laughs> we're not afraid of death um, as nearly as we are, as much as we are afraid of losing control of ourselves. When we do, we become intimately aware and connected to a sense of powerlessness. And when we feel like we do not have power over ourselves, how the heck are we going to have something, something really hooty-tooty called self-esteem? I mean, that's way up there. <laughs> you know, if our physiology, if the base of us is off, how are we ever going to have something, of, you know, luxurious as self-esteem? It comes from us experiencing our power. Not talking about it, not having someone say to us, you can do it, I know you can, I so believe in you, and if you could just believe in you as much as I believe in you, that doesn't give us power. Words don't change physiology. A physiological problem of powerlessness, of not having control over your own body's reactions and responses, is exactly the thing that robs us. Of, of feeling uh, powerful and eventually like we have something called self-esteem. So we have to experience our power, and the way we do that is precisely through these five tools because when these five tools start working automatically in you, 
Oh, because you've been practicing it every day, right? I practice it when I'm standing in line at the grocery store, when I'm taking a shower, when I'm driving my car, when I'm making my son's lunch in the morning. I... It's a walking tool, mm-hmm. toolkit. And so when you're doing this throughout your day, your neural pathways for these five tools to be working automatically get stronger and stronger. And before you know it, you've reset your baseline level of anxiety. You have completely transformed your nervous system so that all of a sudden now, it takes a heck of a lot more to get you upset. That thing that used to trigger you really quickly, you begin to notice, huh, that didn't even bother me as much. Or if I did get bothered, I didn't have as big of a reaction. And if I did react, the reaction didn't last as long. And I didn't do as much damage. And now I don't have to sit in a puddle of shame that I was so overreactive. What's going on inside my nervous system? What's changing here? It couldn't possibly be that 60-year-old second thing. Come on. And this is the surprise. This is the surprise that doing simple, easy things throughout your day, you're not sitting in therapy, you're not meditating for an hour, you're not even hiking up in the mountains. You are using these tools throughout your day and building neural pathways that make these tools work for you now automatically. And it changes everything, absolutely changes the game. Hmm. Well, the Chinese say you have to hear a thing a hundred times before you really learn it. Now, you are calling on the reader to just try this for 21 days. Is that sufficient to create real physiological change? Oh, my gosh. If you were to do this throughout your day, let's say you just started your day this way. Let's say you said, you know what, I'm going to lie here in bed. I'm going to, for 60 seconds before I get out of bed, I'm going to focus on my feet lie in this bed and let it really support me. I'm going to notice the cushion underneath my head. I'm going to notice my body lying in this bed. I'm going to breathe in through my nose. I'm going to visualize that I'm at the beach. And if you did that for 60 seconds before you put your feet on the ground, then, of course, I would love it if you put your, you know, slide your feet down to the ground there before you get out of bed and say, okay, and I can even feel my feet on the ground now. If you were to just do that every day for 21 days, there's no way that those neural pathways are not going to have begun to be built in a really powerful way. It's, you can't stop neural pathways from forming. If you're having an experience with awareness, you are changing your brain. There's no stopping it. Well, of course, the converse is also true. So every time you have these negative thoughts, um, you're building the same uh, opposing neural pathways. So, um, Yes, and thank you for bringing that up because it really gives me a chance to say You know, if you're in talk therapy and it's not working, if you're calling your friend to vent and you're noticing that, gosh, I get off the phone, do I even feel any better? You know, if if you're focusing on negative thoughts, past tribulations, um, you know, any focus, any focus that you have, it, it deepens in, in your brain body. 
and uh, it really keeps it alive in your physiology. It keeps your heart rate up and your blood pressure up and your cortisol pumping. So as much as we want to believe that venting helps or talking about it helps, it's really becoming more and more clear that it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It keeps that physiology alive, that really detrimental physiology alive. And so we do have to practice some good cognitive therapy techniques like thought stopping. We do have to find a way to shift out of thought back into sensory. And that's what these tools are all about is notice that thought you're having, become aware that you're having it, and shift, say, okay, I can hear that thought. Let me use it as a cue. Let me use it as a cue to notice if my feet are on the ground or not. Oh, my feet. Let me see. Yeah, okay. My feet are on the ground. And and you'll begin to breathe deeper and, and shift yourself out of that thought. Because we want to unwire the automaticity that we have to go to the negative thought. But it's, it's a little tedious work. It can be a little tedious. Um, but, but the payoff is so tremendous. It's really creating new habits, new, new habits of thought, as well as new neural pathways. So absolutely uh, very fascinating. Um, Dr. Reggie, what is your website? How do people find out more about your other work and the book? You know, the best place to go, I think, the, the most comprehensive site would be drmelrose.com, just D-R-M-E-L-R-O-S-E.com, drmelrose.com. Um, you can find my whole body of work there, my blogs, you know, that give tips, um, some links to media that, you know, that I've done and reviews of my trainings and my work. Um, so that's a good place to go. I do have a web page for the six. 60-second fix. It's called the 60-second fix.com, and that's with six zero, you know, the numbers, the 60-second fix.com, and that's possible. You know, you can view some video there of, um, you know, people talking about how the 60 seconds have changed their life, mm-hmm. um, so that's nice to view. Um, you know, and all my stuff, Good. a lot of my stuff, I guess not all of it yet. I'm working towards my body of work all being available at Amazon.com. But quite a bit of my work is available also, um, you know, where books are sold online. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I, I really commend this book to our listeners. It's The 60 Seconds Fix by Dr. Regelina Melrose. Dr. Reggie, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it very much. You have a beautiful day. Thanks. And our next guest is Jean Gerson Greer. Jean has been channeling and healing since birth. Born in New York City, Jean was a teacher in the New York City schools, and she's also an actor and an active member of the major theatrical unions. Her intuitive gifts were honed through her life experiences, and she studied a wide variety of modalities with many masters. She was a frequent and popular contributor to the Sedona Journal of Emergence, and she's published a number of books, including All That Matters, and her new book, Quo Vadis 2013 and Beyond, What Do We Do Now? Welcome, Jean. Why, thank you, Miriam. It's a pleasure to be here. Jean, where indeed do we go from here? That's a great great question. question. (laughs) 
Well, we're learning a whole new way of being. And it's called finding yourself and loving yourself. And loving yourself and loving yourself and loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself truly and deeply, you really can't love anyone else, even if you've been with them for years. And... Um, you know, loving, loving yourself is really hard for a lot of people. Well, that's what they have to learn. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't find all the gifts within yourself. Because we're all born with the same gifts. Some develop early, some don't. They push them away. Of course, society pushes them away for us by the time we're five or six. It's no longer correct to be involved with your imaginary playmate, who is truly, in nine-tenths of the cases, your guardian angel. But one way to learn to love yourself is no matter what you look like in the morning, when you get up and go in the bathroom, look in the mirror first and say, I love me. I really do love me. No matter how you feel, how you look, put stickers up, post-its up all over. I love me, I love me. And once you really start believing this, things begin to change for you. Why is that so important to come from a place of loving yourself? What does that have to do with what they call the awakening? Because we are God. We're no longer waiting for the Messiah. We are all the Messiah. We are all here. You know, you hear that a lot. People say, we are God. Um, what does that really mean? We are the energy source, the electrical, magnetic, I should say, electrical source that helps to run not only our own lives, but the planet. Of course, our planet now is going through its own changes, as is our sun, which has just finished an 11-year cycle and reversed its polar shifts. But um, the planet, too, is changing, and this is scientific fact. Mm -hmm. And yet we are all here. This is not like, even though it's cold in New York today, this is not like the Ice Age where the living creatures died as the polar ice caps came down. We're all here to help to create the new earth, to bring back to into fruition what was once called Lumuria. We won't be exactly like Lumuria because we're much more technically advanced than that civilization was but we will be using all of our gained knowledge over the centuries to bring about peace on earth, believe it or not, changes within our gov all the governmental structures, and a beauty that we have not seen, and many of us will be here to witness this, to experience. Last year was very hard. The year before was very hard. But 
even now things are getting a little bit easier. And as 2014 progresses, it will become easier still because more and more people are awakening to the fact that, wait a minute, it's up to us to make the changes. We, the people, we are the people. And as it says in our constitution, this was a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Well, that constitution was given for a specific reason. And that phrase is essential. When you say tap into the knowledge that we accumulated over the centuries, um, is that why it is so important to develop your connection with your own intuition? Because that knowledge is kind of waiting there for you to tap into it? Yeah, it's always been there. <laughs> always. But most people are afraid. They live in fear without realizing that fear is a great teacher. And if you love yourself fully, you begin to love your fear and understand what it's there to do and to teach you. And you become less fearful in the negative sense of the word and you begin to use fear correctly. It's like going out in a snowstorm, <laughs> in a blinding blizzard, you would have a different sense of direction. You would allow your own parts, your God self, your higher self, to direct you so that you would not get lost. Mm -hmm. So where do you think this is going to lead us as a civilization? into a world of infinite beauty. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, but it's something we all have to work at and, wor and want mm -hmm. and work with and believe in. And what can we do to help? Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Investigate who you are. Find out your true abilities. Relax into you. Most people aren't relaxed. It's not just in the major cities. And I personally have one thing that has always bothered me, even though I own one, cell phones. People will not disconnect. They're mm -hmm. afraid of being alone. Even if it's business or if they're walking down the street, they've got to talk to their friends. Be by yourself. Find out who you are. And my pendulum is swinging yes to this. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's almost swinging out of my hands. We as a society, modern society are afraid of being alone. Yes, we, we don't know how to be with ourselves. Right. And that comes back full circle to love yourself. Very, very wise advice. Wow. Well, so your book, Quo Vadis 2013 and Beyond, is now on Amazon, I take it? It is, and I just checked it. And uh, what is your website, Jean? Oh, wow. Ready for this? Thank you. www.thelightthatshinesthroughus.com 
dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, dot com. Great. And I'm also on Facebook, and I just tried to put, I mean, I'm too much. I am, I don't even have a microwave. Let's start. <laughs> Not to worry, Jean. Your gifts are from an ancient source. Well, thank <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking with us today. It is my pleasure. And I send my love and blessings to all parts of God, which is all of us. Animal, vegetable, mineral, we're all together. (laughs) Great. Thanks. And our next guest is Jean Gerson Greer. Jean has been channeling and healing since birth. Born in New York City, Jean was a teacher in the New York City schools, and she's also an actor and an active member of the major theatrical unions. Her intuitive gifts were honed through her life experiences, and she studied a wide variety of modalities with many masters. She was a frequent and popular contributor to the Sedona Journal of Emergence, and she's published a number of books, including All That Matters, and her new book, Quo Vadis 2013 and Beyond, What Do We Do Now? Welcome, Jean. Why, thank you, Miriam. It's a pleasure to be here. Jean, where indeed do we go from here? That's a great question. question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're learning a whole new way of being. And it's called finding yourself and loving yourself. And loving yourself, and loving yourself, and loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself truly and deeply, you really can't love anyone else, even if you've been with them for years. And um, you know, loving loving yourself is really hard for a lot of people. Well, that's what they have to learn. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't find all the gifts within yourself. Words from the heart, indeed. Well, I hope you'll join us next week when our guest will be Frank Huguenard, a filmmaker who has produced a series of documentaries around fascinating subjects. And now I'm going to leave you with just a little teaser of a track of the week. It's by Doug Fulton from his album Oneness Dancing, The Solfeggio Mysteries, and it's called St. John's Vision. website is dougscottfulton.com. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you'll join us next week. And until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.